So I'm so excited to be here with you ladies today. It is a true honor to be here. And um, I don't know if you noticed, but um, over the summer, they um, seem to be bringing back a lot of like game shows that um, were older game shows that they kind of revitalized. So um, there's that um, pyramid game show, $100,000 pyramid. Um, there's all these game shows that I'm like, I remember watching these like in the 70s and 80s. And so one of the game shows that they brought back um, that they should not have brought back is called The Gong Show. Does anybody remember The Gong Show? Yes, Gong Show. So The Gong Show, for those of you who are youngsters and aren't familiar with it at all, and really you can be grateful that you missed all of that. Um, um, the Gong Show was like an American Idol type show of the 70s and early 80s. And, um, but it had a huge difference. So imagine the judges on American Idol or um, America's Got Talent or I don't know, there's so many of those now. Um, imagine if they were sitting there um, and instead of simply deciding whether or not the contestant got a golden ticket, um, they would decide if the contestant would actually be even allowed to complete their audition or if they were so horrible that one of the judges just wouldn't be able to stand it any longer and they would stand up and pick up this huge stick with this giant puffy thing on the end. I don't know what that's called. Um, and there would be this big gong and they would pick up the stick and they would whack that gong. And if you got gonged, you had to, you were out. That was it, right? And it was totally at the discretion of the judges to do that. And any of the judges could decide at any given point that they were gonged. And um, the only thing I can think that was the benefit of this is that the sound of the gong like helped to drown out the cries of the people who were so upset that they got gonged. Um, but when I was in the fourth grade, um, our school administrators um, decided that instead of our regular yearly talent show, that they would host a gong show. Doesn't that sound wise? <laughs> right, yes. Doesn't that sound like a good idea to do to impressionable children? Um, so my friends and I decided that we were gonna enter the gong show and we were going to be the best Cindy Lauper impersonators that there ever were. We were gonna lip sync to Girls Just Wanna Have Fun and we just knew that this was our time, right? This, is, this was our chance to shine. We practiced our routines every single day. We um, got all our um, costumes together. We had the fingerless lace gloves. We had the big poofy skirts. We had our hair crimped and teased and aquanetted till it wouldn't move. Um, and the different colored socks and the fun makeup. And, and we were so excited. And finally, it was our turn to get up in front of the whole school and perform. Um, girls just want to have fun. And as we marched out onto that stage, and we felt super confident, we looked around and got a glimpse of the judges. And these same wise school administrators had decided that, you know what, why don't we let the kids judge each other? We'll just have some, some peers who will judge. And so these weren't just any other students. These were the popular kids, the chosen ones, right? And they were the ones who seemed to effortlessly sail through life. They had the guest genes that I wanted my whole life with the upside down triangle. And by the time I got them, they were hand-me-downs and out of style. And um, 
And so I think we all knew in that moment this was not going to end well. <laughs> but it was too late. We were already out there. We were all decked out. And so we got into our positions, gave a nod to the kid in charge of the record player. For those of you who don't know, those are those big round <laughs> things with the lines, and you put the needle on it. Um, my daughter calls those the old-timey music machines. So yeah, there's that. So, um, so the first few lines of Cindy Lauper came out, and we started dancing our little hearts out, and it lasted all of about one minute. And um, I saw the movement out of the corner of my eye that somebody was moving to pick up the gong. And I could hear the scraping of the chair, and I knew it was over. And um, sure enough, um, one of the judges stood up, um, and as the audience went crazy with cheering and booing and all the things they did, and we continued to dance and lip sync and, you know, just thinking, maybe if we go a little faster, this won't happen, um, they walked over to the cymbal it was. It wasn't a huge gong. They used just a cymbal and gave it a whack. And just like that, my short-lived career as a Cindy Lauper impersonator was over. But something happened to me that day. It may have looked like I simply walked off the stage with my head hanging down and my side ponytail looking deflated, but what no one else could see was that that gong came with me. And in fact, the sound of that gong continued to follow me throughout most of my life. Frankly, I got to the point where I no longer needed someone else to pick it up and whack it to eliminate me because I became capable of doing it all on my own. You're not cool enough, gong. You're not pretty enough, gong. You're never gonna fit in, gong. You're not worthy enough, gong. That person is never gonna like you, gong. You are the wrong girl for God to choose for this purpose, gong. I know many of you have gongs in your head. It's taken many, many years and a lot of work to not hear that gong resounding in my head every time I turned around. I think I had to have the stick pried out of my fingers <laughs> because I clutched to it as tightly as possible. And it's only been coming to a greater understanding of how much God truly loves me that I've been able to release it. And this has not been an easy process to go through. It says in Ephesians that we are his masterpiece. So think about that for a minute. Think about a masterpiece. Thinking about, think about going to the Louvre and seeing those beautiful statues and paintings and works of art hanging on the wall. A masterpiece is a thing of beauty. And imagine a sculptor creating the most amazing statue, pouring over the design, putting heart and soul into seeing their vision come to life piece by piece, stepping back, looking at that work of art, and just being so satisfied and delighted in what he's created. And then watching as that creation slowly begins to pick itself apart piece by piece. Everything that the creator saw as beautiful, the, the work of art saw as all wrong. And that's what we do when we gong ourselves we're telling God that he had to have messed up with us. We must be the exception to this masterpiece business. But here's the thing. We all know that when it comes to a piece of art, it only really matters how the artist views it, right? You know, there's that whole beauty in the eye of the beholder. Well, we're the beauty, and he's the beholder. So what would happen if we began to see ourselves the way that God sees us? 
What if the masterpiece was able to appreciate its own beauty? The beauty created by the master. You were created with purpose, with intention, and that artist, the master designer, he won't ever gong you. So how do we begin to see ourselves the way that God sees us? And I believe it all starts and is determined by how we see our identity, our per- that our personhood is not in ourselves, but in the personhood of Jesus Christ. The tagline for this month's gathering is beyond the insecurity and into the freedom of being who God created you to be. And I got to tell you, it would be really easy for me to stand up here this morning and tell you that the way to find more freedom in being who God created you to be is just to realize how truly amazing you are, how beautiful and wonderful and special and unique And some of you might have expected to hear that, and some of you might be expecting that that's the way this message is going to go, but it's not. Um, The rally cry these days that we're hearing everywhere is, be you, because you're the best. We hear it everywhere. It's on mugs. It's on t-shirts. It's everywhere. Um, Right? How many of you have the Radon mugs, right? They're all over the place with their... That's how you pronounce it, right? I don't know. I've never said it out loud. I've only ever seen it on Instagram, so I'm just assuming. But be you. You're special. You're wonderful. Um, All of these messages. And even within the Christian community lately, it seems like the pendulum has swung really far to emphasizing that all we have to do is just be more of who we are. There are countless images on Pinterest um, that we will feel the most satisfied in our lives when we become more of who we really are. But see, this is the exact opposite of the message we hear in Scripture. It's not about becoming more of who we are. It's about becoming a stronger and stronger reflection of who he is. More of me is not that great. (laughs) I got to tell you, because I know more of me. It's not pretty. It's more selfish. It's more self-centered. It's more sinful. And um, I don't want that, and nobody around me wants that. And I know that people have good intentions. I know that when they speak this message, that the heart behind it is to encourage and uplift because we as women struggle with so much insecurity and self-doubt, right? Right? Amen? But the messages aren't making us any less insecure. These messages aren't making us stop self-doubting. They're not contributing to us feeling better about ourselves. And I have a theory about this. I think that the more I dig deeper into my own identity, um, that it's not going to lead to true freedom. Um, If I believe what I'm being told, that I'm so amazing and so wonderful all on my own, then why would I need the saving grace of Jesus Christ? Um, So I come to you today to talk about something that isn't as easy or as pretty or as um, light It's not lollipops and roses. Um, It might not be as easy to hear. And the thing is, I really do think you all are amazing, but it doesn't really matter what I think. Um, What matters is finding true freedom. And when we find true freedom, it leads us to true confidence. Confidence to step out into being who God created us to be and shining the light for him more brightly. 
the struggle of the gong has um, lasted um, throughout my life, and um, in particular, these past few years, as God has asked me to step out more and more and more, um, that, that um, gong was louder and louder and louder. Um, I'll give you a little bit of history about myself. I'm picking a hair off my sweater here because it's in my line of vision. Um, so I um, have a 14-year-old son and a 10-year-old daughter. And um, so whew, you can pray for me. Um, if anybody brought some extra Febreze or any kind of scented things, you can just send them on home with me. So, um, and, um, but when my son was in about, um, let's see, he would have been like in second grade and my daughter, no, sorry, he would have been a little bit younger. Um, I had been a stay-at-home mom and I loved it. Um, but the time my daughter turned two or three, I was kind of feeling a little antsy to just, just do something a little bit for myself just to remember that I could string sentences together and, you know, have, have something that didn't involve sippy cups and things like that. So I had seen that people had started these blogs, and I was like, I'm going to start a blog. Um, it, and I, I'm going to start something that isn't just about, like, telling stories about my kids and my family. I'm going to just start sharing some ideas and recipes and crafts and things like that and tell funny stories. And, um, and then my sister and I ended up we had had two separate blogs, and we decided to join forces and start one together, and she lives in another state. So we um, started our blog, and it's called At the Picket Fence, and we had this vision of women all around the world um, and this invisible picket fence that connected us all and that you could come out of your homes and meet there and swap recipes and um, just be a part of a community. And it really was just a hobby. It was something fun, and it was a creative outlet. But the more we got into it, um, the more we felt passionate about it, the more we um, started teaching ourselves to take better photos. And um, we started getting contacted by people who wanted to work with us and like send us stuff. And if, we would send, if they would send us stuff, we would write about it and promote it on social media. And I remember the first time somebody said, we want to send you a free candle. And I was like, oh, they want to send us a free candle? Like, that is amazing. I cannot believe that somebody's going to send me a free candle. I thought that was like the coolest thing ever. And um, from that point on, we started working with more and more companies, and um, basically, um, they um, give us things, other products and things to um, try or recipes to create, and we take the photos of them and put them on our site, and what started as a fun little hobby turned into a full-fledged business. And um, as we started to grow this business and our platform began to grow, we felt this nudging from the Lord that we were supposed to be using this as an opportunity to share Christ um, in a way that's just very like easy and non-threatening. And so as we would share a craft or a recipe, we would also weave in stories about our lives and our families and our faith and share devotionals and things like that. And um, a few years into it, it caught the eye of a literary agent and we were signed with her, and then we worked for months and months and months to write up a book proposal, um, which is a long, tedious process that um, people think it sounds easy, and it's not easy. It's long and hard. And, um, and then that book proposal was shopped around to Christian publishers, and a Christian publisher, um, some Christian publishers responded, and we negotiated and, and signed a contract, and um, last year, um, our first book, um, Life and Season, was released, and this is it. Um, it goes through the seasons of the year. Each season has 10 short story devotionals and then five, like, home projects, too. So, um, 
And I'm going to give this copy away today. Does anybody have a birthday today? <laughs> Does anybody have a birthday this week? Does any of yes, you have a birthday this week? What is it? Wednesday, next Wednesday? Anybody closer than that? This is your copy. And if you want to look at it afterwards, you can come find Christine. And I'll sign that for you if you want when you're done, when this is over. Um, so we released our first book, and um, it was very exciting. And it also came with huge amounts of gongs. <laughs> Lots of gonging. Um, because the more that I was asked to step out, um, the more that I felt like I was being obedient and answering this call, um, the more I wrestled with confidence and self-doubt. Um, I had this constant um, phrase that went through my mind that said, you, who do you think you are to do this? Why would anybody care what you have to say? You better not be getting too big for your britches. And um, that was, I think that was a Southern person in my, somehow in my psyche. I don't know, maybe it's like multiple personalities anyway. Um, but the more I stepped into things that I was sure God was calling me to do, the more I doubted, the more I was flooded with these insecurities, and the more I found myself coming under spiritual attack. Because every time I stepped out further, the enemy upped the ante and spoke lies into my soul that, that threatened to rob me of the things that I knew I was called to. And um, I told you that I'm currently raising teenagers, and it can definitely be challenging, but it, it can also be really amazing. So for those of you who are here with little ones, um, don't be afraid of this stage because there's a lot of fun, fun stuff that comes with it. There's a lot of odors, but you're already used to odors, so it just, they just go from one odor to the next, right? You're just trading one for the other. Um, so, but one of the best things that I have discovered about raising kids at this stage is the joy of embarrassing them. It is like <laughs> this sick, twisted pleasure that I get in figuring out how can I mortify them because they threw tantrums in stores and embarrassed me, so this is my turn, right? Um, so the other, I do a lot of car dancing. I purposely mess up the lyrics to my, song, my son's favorite songs, just for fun, just to mess with them. Mom, those aren't the words. And um, it's so fun. And sometimes I change them around, and I, I love it. Um, you have to have something to help you get through this, this stage. Um, that, uh, um, last week, my daughter and I were driving to school, and Cool in the Gang celebration came on. Oh, that was just, I mean, all bets were off. The windows went down, the volume came up, we pulled in to drop her off in the pickup line, and we were the party car. And she's like, no, Mom, no, 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 no. <laughs> you know, and I kept you know, turning the volume up as she's walking to school, and celebrate good times, come on. She didn't make eye contact with me, so, um, but it's so fun. But there was a time when my kids loved my singing. Some of you are in that stage. They begged me to sing and dance, and we used to dance all over the house. Music has always been a huge part of our um, household. We have music on all the time. We have it on while we're eating dinner. Um, we just always kind of have it in the background, and my kids loved to dance, and so we would dance all around the house and take turns being the leader and making up crazy moves, and they just loved doing this. And um, so a few years ago, 
um, when the kids still loved us dancing, um, we discovered this channel called, called Party Favorites on the Comcast like on-demand music, and it was this great blend of like older songs and newer songs, and um, so we were all dancing around, and somewhere between doing the YMCA and getting jiggy with it, um, which is a great song to dance to, by the way. Uh, my daughter and I realized that we were the only ones left. <laughs> So either the guys were too embarrassed of us or they felt intimidated by my sweet moves. So um, they might have just been ashamed of us. That could be more accurate. But either way, my girl and I continued to shimmy our way around the room. And um, I was so proud of the fact that she had mastered the sprinkler. If anybody know the sprinkler, this one, right? And um, I was trying to teach her the running man, which I never really perfected. So it always looks very strange. Um, and as we were dancing around the room, my daughter said, hey, mommy, let's go dance in front of the mirror so we can see how we look. And I was like, I don't really want to see how I look dancing in front of the mirror because I've got this image in my head of how I look and I'm fairly certain that it does not connect with what I'm going to see in the mirror. <laughs> in my head, I look great. In the mirror, I'm certain it's not going to be a, a pretty sight. So, and she was so shocked that she stopped and stood and stared at me and said, you don't want to see how you look in the mirror? I always watch myself when I'm dancing. And she was just baffled that I would not want to see myself. And so I indulged her for a little bit. I think I did some like MC Hammer moves or something, um, which I did just recently too the other day. So just so you know, I can still, still pull it off. Um, and later that night, I was talking to my husband about it and... Um, he was really sad that he had missed all of that, of me dancing in front of the mirror. Um, that was about to give him some, some good, uh, some good um, ammo for me later. Um, but I couldn't help but thinking about the absolute honesty with which my daughter told me that she watches herself in the mirror, that she watches herself dancing. She was so matter-of-fact about it. And no sense of embarrassment. She was completely confident in this. And I, on the other hand, would never freely dance in front of the mirror, unless my eight-year-old at the time was begging me. And um, dancing around the room was fine, but watching myself, no. I am um, too self-conscious, too aware, too jiggly. Um, the wrong kind of getting jiggy with it is things jiggling that aren't supposed to be jiggling. Um, and, um, and you better believe that if I did feel comfortable dancing in front of the, in front of the mirror, I wouldn't tell anybody. Um, and I wondered, when did it stop? When did that freedom and that confidence stopped for me. Might have had something to do with a gong, <laughs> just saying. <laughs> but finding freedom in who we are as women is a lifelong journey. And I believe that finding freedom is very much intertwined with being confident in who we are. Um, as a good Christian girl, I've tried really hard my whole life to not be too confident. Um, because to me, confidence was the same as pride. Those were one and the same. And in my efforts to not ever give anyone the impression that I did think I was too big for my britches, um, I decided that since they were too close together, I would just avoid confidence completely. Um, and so here's the thing, though. As I've looked through Scripture, nowhere have I found warnings against confidence. There are a lot against pride. And we're going to show a slide here with the verses about pride. When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom, the Lord detests all the proud at heart. Be sure of this. They will not go unpunished. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. And there's more that I just tried to fit them all on one slide. Um, 
But when it comes to confidence, I've discovered that the Bible makes very clear distinctions between confidence and pride. So we're going to read these next verses. The fruit of that righteousness will be peace. Its effect will be quietness and confidence forever. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord whose confidence is in him. Um, So as I've read through these verses about confidence, and I read a lot of commentaries too because I'm nerdy like that, and I love reading commentaries, especially if they have a lot of these and thous. I just think it's so fun. Um, um, A beautiful picture of true confidence has emerged for me, and it looks a little something like this. And we have a slide for it. When we place our confidence in ourselves, we will always come up short. We will be plagued with insecurity and doubt and fear, or we will begin to think too highly of our own abilities and become filled with pride. But when we place our confidence in the Lord and how he created us, we are able to use the gifts he's given us with grace and humility, which ultimately leads to his glory, not ours. You see, pride and humility are mutually exclusive. They simply can't share the same space in your heart. Um, I found a quote recently um, from a man named Jason Meyer, and he really gets to the root of just how destructive pride is, and we have a slide for that. I just realized that the, it's right there. I don't have to turn around. That's so, that's so handy. Um, he says, pride is not just a sin, but a sinful mother, a sinful orientation that gives birth to more sins. For example, pride can lead to lying. You tell a lie because you're too proud to admit you were wrong or you did something wrong, but the problem is so much bigger. Pride doesn't just tell lies, it is a lie. Why? Pride is self-obsession. Pride is preoccupation with ourselves. Therefore, it is a lie about reality. It says, I am worth thinking about all the time. It is an orientation that wrongly assumes that everything revolves around us. And I want you to really understand the heart of this quote. Because it'd be easy to misinterpret it and lump it in with the definitions that we have of pride. Because when we think of pride, we think of somebody who's, you know, I'm really amazing and awesome. But that's not really what it is. It's not just thinking so highly of ourselves. It's just thinking about ourselves too much. And your thoughts can be super negative about yourself. And if there are too many of them, you are preoccupied with yourself, which is prideful. Um... This includes thinking that we're not good enough, that we're not worthy, that we're the wrong ones to be chosen. It's just being preoccupied with thoughts of ourselves. We know from scripture that we aren't the only ones to wrestle with this battle, so let's look at Moses, bless his heart. Um, If you know you all, most of you know the story of Moses. So there was that time that he questioned God. God appeared to him through the burning bush, called him to lead the people out, and um, he basically argued with God for a while. You can see all the verses. Um, And he basically told the Lord of the universe, you're making a huge mistake here. Um, I shouldn't be the one chosen for this job. He begged God not to use him. He had absolutely no confidence in his God-given abilities and no trust that if his father was calling him to this role— that he was going to give him all that he needed to see it through, that he was going to equip him to do this. Um, and, but so here on the one side, we've got a Moses who is completely full of self-doubt, completely racked with um, worry and fear, and you have got the wrong guy. 
But then later in the story, we see a whole different Moses, right? We can go to the next slide. Because then he got all cocky. Um, He was just a little too comfortable in his own strength. Um, So Moses took the staff from the Lord's presence just as he commanded him. He um, and Aaron gathered the assembly together in front of the rock, and Moses said to, to them, apparently I need glasses, listen, you rebels, must we bring you water out of this rock? Um, then Moses raised his arm and struck the rock twice with his staff. Water gushed out in the community and their livestock drank. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to honor me as holy in the sight of the Israelites, you will not bring this community into the land. He did not follow the Lord's instructions. He, it seems like such a simple, ridiculous thing. I have read this passage over and over and over again, and it seems so simple. He made one slight modification to what the Lord had asked him to do. He did not get to lead the people into the promised land. Can you imagine leading these whiny people for 40 years and getting so close and having this consequence of not being obedient, of being too full of your own strength and your own um, self-worth and self-righteousness that you do not get to do what you had so longed to do. There are always consequences when we try to rely on our own strength. So I said before, pride and humility can't share the same airspace, but I believe that confidence and humility can righteously coexist. God wants us to have confidence in the gifts and abilities he's given us. He wants us to use them (laughs) because the more confidence we have in using our gifts, the brighter we shine for him. But how do we do that without becoming prideful? And this is always that rub. How do we embrace our identity in Christ and and recognize our individual giftings without going over that edge of pride? Um, This is probably one of the most difficult things to navigate. And I think we have to really understand the difference between pride and confidence, okay? Pride says, I've got this. Confidence says, God's got this and I'm the vessel. Pride says, do others see how amazing I am? Confidence says, do others see through me how amazing God is? Pride says, God, you have got the wrong girl. Confidence says, God, you can use me however you see fit, and I know you will equip me. Pride says, I'm not enough. Confidence says, I'm not enough, but God is. John 15, 5 says, apart from me, you can do nothing. This means that away from Christ and relying on our own flesh, we aren't going to be able to do much for him. We just aren't. But later on in that same verse, we're told that if we will abide in him, we will bear fruit. And this is how we exalt him. This is where we place our confidence. We place our confidence and our ability to abide in him and bear the fruit that he's wanting us to bear. And we can be confident in that. Um, So here's how this has played out in my most recent journey. Um, Every time God opened a new door for me, um, I would find myself facing the same um, fears and insecurities. Um, Most recently, how this has played out is that um, I am writing our second book by myself instead of with my sister. She's had a difficult season in her life. And... um, And so um, a book I thought we were going to do together, um, I'm now doing on my own. And um, that, again, goes back to more of me and uh, more 
just of stepping out further. And um, it's so much easier when you have somebody else with you. Because <laughs> you can say, like, if my piece doesn't work very well, hers is probably better. So, you know, um, it's, it's challenging to, um, to be called into something and being called to step out even further um, just within a matter of a short time when you thought it was going to be a certain way. And, um, and it's not now. And so um, I had half a book written, and now I'm scrambling to write another half that I was not planning to write and get it done um, by our deadline. Um, and so uh, there have been many, many days where I have sat in front of a blank screen and thought, oh, you have got the wrong girl, God. You, I can't do this. And, and yet, very quickly comes, you're right, you can't. <laughs> but I can, and I'm going to give you the words, and um, it's going to be my words through you. And, um, and, and so I don't know if I will ever not have the pangs of self-doubt, but now I, I take steps to find um, freedom and to remain in a place of freedom. Um, one of the things um, that I want to go back to, too, is the whole idea of finding our, our identity in ourselves versus um, finding it in the personhood of Christ. And um, because we're encouraged so much in our culture to dig deeper and find more of who we are and um, find our identity in, in our own spirits, um, I have found that digging deeper into my own spirit is super dark um, and ugly, and I, I like to think of it like a Tom Clancy novel, where like the submarine is like starting to sink, you know, and I think that's Tom Clancy, right? The submarine's sinking, and um, the, the, the walls are shaking, and the condensation's building up, and all the little dials are spinning, and they're calling to each other, and they're sinking lower and lower and lower and lower into this abyss. And the more I try to find my identity, by digging deeper into my own spirit, the more of an abyss I find. And God wants me to find my identity in him because it brings me out of the abyss and into the light. And so it's, it, we have to continue to seek our identity in the personhood of Jesus Christ and not continue to follow our own hearts and be more of who you are. Um, be more of who you are um, as it relates to your identity and who he is. Um, as I said, I take steps now to remain in a place of freedom. Um, so here's some of the steps I take. I pray and ask God to empty me of myself so that I can be filled with him. And this is that humility piece. I acknowledge the fact, and it is a fact, ladies, it's a fact that he has given me specific gifts for the purpose of honoring and glorifying him. And then I move forward with confidence because I want to shine as brightly as I can for him by using those gifts. Um, I think there's just this sweet spot when it comes to confidence. And you go too far one way and you find that you're full of yourself and certain that everything in your life that you have is because of your own awesomeness. <laughs> or you go too far the other way and you find that you're full of so much self-doubt and insecurity that you become paralyzed. Have any of you been that, ever been in that spot in your spirit where you have just been so flooded with self-doubt and fear and insecurity that you, you can't move? You don't know how to step forward. 
And I find that most often those feelings come when God has called me to something. When I've gotten this clear nudging that I'm being asked to step out for something, and immediately following that are these, is this clear words and lies that are whispered to me um, about my inability to do what I'm being called to do. But if we can find our way to that sweet spot, that sweet spot when it comes to confidence, that's where all the magic happens. That's where we find freedom. Freedom to use, really, really use the gifts that God's given you. Um, Freedom to be exactly who God created you to be. Freedom to confidently represent the love of Jesus to those around you. And even if you want to, freedom to dance in front of the mirror. So what we're going to do now is I have some journal prompts for you, and there's paper on your table, and um, we're going to put these up on the screen and um, give you some time on your own first to um, answer these questions, and and there's also a blessing on the tables, um, and that what I would love for you to do is um, read the blessing it's the blessing by Susie Larson, and, um, and, um, and we'll put it up on the screen too, I think, here in a little bit. Um, just take some time to answer these questions in um, the quiet of your own heart. Write it out, draw it out, whatever, whatever you like to do. And then we're going to have some time at your tables to discuss them. So take some time right now. We're going to have some music on, and then I'm going to come back up, and I will let you know when we're going to move into the discussion time. Oh, I hate to cut this off because I'm loving what I'm hearing. I'm hearing a lot of talking. I'm hearing laughter. I'm, I've seen tears wiped away, and it's a beautiful thing. And so I hope that um, you'll just take these questions with you this week. Maybe, um, oh, anyway, maybe some of you got a picture of them, or maybe we can post them on the Facebook page. Um, but um, I just, I hope that um, it's prompted something in your heart. And one of the things we were talking about at our table, really wrestling with that identity issue and not being enough and not being good enough. And this is something I've wrestled with my whole life. And I just want to tell you, ladies, that if I can do this as a people pleaser, a um, deeply insecure <laughs> woman um, who um, carried that gong around for a lot of years, if I can step confidently Um, into who God is calling me to be, that you can too. Um, But I just want to say that it's so important that we understand the two sides of that grace coin. And on the one side, it's the, I'm not enough. And on the other side, it's the, I'm enough. Okay? Um, I'm not enough on my own. I'm just not. And that's why I need a Savior. It's because I'm not enough but I'm enough for him to love me and rescue me and to have sent his son to die for me. So I am enough. And somewhere in the middle of the not enough and the enough, we get lost. And that's where the doubts and the insecurities and all of those things come in. So I just would encourage you to think about the two sides of that coin. We aren't enough. And it's okay to say, I'm not enough, but God is, and I was enough, And I'm still enough 
for him to have come and sent his son. And, and, and by embracing my identity in him, I can move forward confidently in what he's calling me to do and who he's calling me to be. And I'm just going to close us with a blessing today. Um, it's from a man named Andrew Murray. And it says, as one of his redeemed ones, you are his delight and all his desire is to you with the longing of a love which is stronger than death and which many waters cannot quench. His heart yearns after you, seeking your fellowship and your love. Were it needed, he could die again to possess you. His love is bound up in yours. You are to him inexpressibly more indispensable and precious than you can ever know. So I hope you'll take those words with you today and throughout the rest of your week. And I thank you so much for the privilege of getting to be with you here this morning.